the life of the Christian, this transforming life of the Christian, that our battle is not in behavior, our battle is in believing. If everything springs from our belief in the gospel, if everything springs from our, our, our confidence in what Christ has done, then, then our battle is not in how do I change this bad behavior? How do I do more of this good behavior? Rather, it's how do I truly, fully, completely believe the gospel? Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Can I tell you the same thing can happen when the gospel begins to permeate a city and the news and the awareness of what God's doing begins to spread. Come on, it happened in your life. It can happen in this church. It'll happen in your sphere and it can eventually take over a city and, and, and begin to be something that you've heard before. I've, I've heard about this thing. I've heard about this gospel thing and something shifts. This is Sozo Church. Opening verses. Uh, we have this morning, 2 Peter 3, 17 through 18. It says, you therefore, beloved, know, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Instead of that, he says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and and to the day of eternity, amen. Uh, next, next we've got Second uh, Corinthians uh, 3.18. It says, and we all with unveiled faces behold the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Next, it says, you did not choose me, this is John, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And then uh, let's, let's turn our attention now to our text for the day. Um, we are, if you're following along in your books, I think it's page 45. We gave out little booklets at the beginning of this series. Uh, I think it's page 45. Um, we are, we're going to be studying verses 6 through 8 in the book of Colossians, but I want to read you uh, verses 3 through 8 just so you get the whole context of what's going on. Our attention will be set and focused on uh, 6 through 8, but let's read the whole thing. It says, uh, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Let's pray, church. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning for your true and steadfast word. I thank you, God, I thank you that, 
that the news of what you have accomplished on behalf of your people is, is, is good news. I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that there is nothing left for us to accomplish, but you have accomplished everything. And we now simply walk in the, in the obedience and in the understanding and in the fulfillment of all that you have done, both on our behalf and all that you long to do through us in this world. Jesus, we rejoice and we celebrate you. We set our, our attention and our affection on you right now. We ask that we would not only be able to see you, but God, we ask that in seeing you, God, that we would find you so completely satisfying and so completely invigorating, God, that everything else in our life would fall away and, and fall to its proper place and that you would be enthroned in the midst of your people this morning. I thank you for your presence that is with us as we worship, and we ask that that would continue even in these moments as we turn our hearts to your word. God, let us hear you. Lord, I'm, I'm so desperately in need of a word from you this morning. I, I need to hear what it is you would say to me. God, I've, I've come into this place uh, fallen and broken and, and shattered and, and still with pieces that are, are needing to be put back together. And I know that it's only through your word that that happens. And so God, I ask that you would come and speak a word to my heart and, and, and reshape my heart and rebuild the broken places in my life. Lord, let me hear your word, let me receive your word, that it might do its work within my heart and I might leave this place, that we might leave this place transformed, God, a little bit more like you, Jesus, that we might go out to a world that is so desperately in need of you, or that as we go there, we might look a little more like you, that people as we go and as we serve and as we love and as we are generous people, God, that they wouldn't see us, but they would see you. They would be drawn close to you and and abide in you, and come to trust you. Lord, be added to the number of your sons in the earth today. But we do not want to stop or, or, or move too quickly here. We also want to lift up our brothers and sisters in Las Vegas. With, with the uh, tragedy, Lord, the, the horrendous attack that happened there, God, we just ask that you would do what it is that you always do, and that is that you would use this for your glory and people's good. I don't get it, God. I don't know how or why, but I know you use these things, God, to proclaim uh, into people's hearts your goodness. And, and we condemn the act, and yet we also call people to turn and to trust in you. God, I specifically pray for my brother Joe, Joe Pena, God, at Relentless Church, Lord, as they're given their whole service this morning to just pray for people and, and, and hug each other and, and look to you and, and to respond since it's their backyard. God, we, we thank you that there's a church there preaching the gospel. We know there's lots of churches, but, but Lord, we thank you that uh, we're connected with one of them and we just lift them up in you and, and build them up in you and ask for boldness. And we ask that this would be a day that souls would come into the kingdom. Lord, heal our land. Lord, heal our land. Let this not divide us. Let this unite us as a nation that we might, united, come to you and find, find the, the, the grace that we need in this time of need. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. So uh, if you're unaware, we're, we're in a series uh, launching into uh, the first two chapters in Colossians. We're calling this series Greater Than uh, or Greater Than. Somebody told me I was saying then wrong because it's then and then. I didn't realize they were different words because... 
I'm American. Um, so uh, we're, we're looking at the first two chapters of the, of the book of, of Colossians, and we're, we're sort of walking slowly but surely through it. And, and I, I don't know if you are, but I, I'm excited about what God's doing um, in, our, in our body through this, this series, and, and I'm excited about what he wants to do through your life. Well, uh, we're, we're in this text, and, and what we've seen thus far, and the reason I wanted to remind you and, and sort of uh, read the whole passage again was to remind you that, that Paul here is, is making a educated guess, you could even say an assumption based off of the, uh, the, the evidence that has been presented to him that the people in this church are genuine, real followers of Christ, that they have repented and believed the gospel, that they have turned from their former life and are now trusting Jesus and relying upon him. And, and so therefore, because of that, he's not preaching the gospel again to them in, in the terms of, of a saving message or a turning from your sins message, but rather he's encouraging them to continue on this journey that they've already begun, and he's thankful for them. And as we, we looked at this, the, the reason why Paul says he believes that they're believers is because they have faith, which is obedience to Jesus, and love, which is, which is self-sacrificing concern for others, and, and that's active in their life. That's, that's bearing fruit in their life. He can see it in their life. It's not just their confession, confession it's their conversion that he's applauding. And we ask the question, where does that come from? Well, he says it comes from a hope that we have that's anchored in eternity. And then we ask, well, where does that hope come from? And what we found was it's in belief. He said it's because you believe the gospel. And so what we've said is that the life of the Christian, this transforming life of the Christian, that our battle is not in behavior, our battle is in believing. If everything springs from our belief in the gospel, if everything springs from our, our, our confidence in what Christ has done, then, then our battle is not in how do I change this bad behavior, how do I do more of this good behavior, rather it's how do I truly, fully, completely believe the gospel, that Jesus and Jesus alone saves me, that Jesus and Jesus alone satisfies me, that Jesus and Jesus alone is the, the only security I will ever need in my life. My identity flows from who he is, not what I can do. Come on, somebody. But we, we struggle to believe that, and we believe all kinds of other things will be our security, and all kinds of other things will be our saving. And we talked about that last week. I'm not gonna go over it. I just wanna remind us that our battle is in believing so this morning, as, as Paul continues uh, through his, his welcome, through his encouragement to them, he actually lays out for us something, and that is, that is a crucial understanding, and here's what it is. He, he makes this phrase that, that this working of the Spirit, this, this battle of believing that, 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 that imparts to us hope, and that from that hope grows faith and love, that, that thing, this I need you to hear me, is something, please catch this, it's something that happens in stages through steps, not instantaneously. A couple weeks ago I said, you know, it, it's, it's, my, it's not my heart to try to convince you that you are saved, it's my heart to call you to make sure you're saved. But I think sometimes what can happen is, is we can see uh, some, some continuing struggles with sin in our life, or is that just me? Do I just need to get a mirror and just preach myself for a while? Or can we be honest? Some continuing struggles of sin in our life and we go, well, I must not be saved. The reality is that that's not true. So last week, um, if you remember, I talked about the fact that we can, we can trust other things other than Jesus. And I, I used that to, to try to illustrate to us what the Bible calls idols. And what I tried to explain was that the Bible calls us, if we're, if we're looking, if this podium, we'll just, just go with it. Remember, think back in your minds. If you weren't here, you missed it. 
I'm not gonna do it again. It'll never happen again. But um, there, was, there was a bunch of stuff here that we trust, our house, our job, our wife, our kids, our dog, or whatever. And, and, um, and a bunch of you got really mad at me for having a Miss, Mrs. Potato Head as my wife. That was the only girl thing we had around here. It wasn't my fault, and my wife wasn't offended, so don't be offended. You know, I didn't offend you. You took offense. I didn't give it. It's just the way offense works. Um, and and what, I, what I tried to show was this, that, that we look to all of these things for our safety, our security, our savings, our, 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 our satisfaction in life. And what the Bible calls us to do is repent, which means turn away from those things, and, and, then, and believe, which is, is look at Jesus. But this is what I can't do because uh, I'm, I'm not built this way. We think that's a one-time thing. But in reality, it's more like, like my head kind of turns and then maybe my foot kind of turns and, and then maybe this foot kind of turns a little bit. And it's a process. And what he, he uses the, the picture here, he says it, it grows in you just like it grows throughout the world. Are you aware that, that Jesus did not uh, experience his resurrection and, 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 and call the church to prayer, the Holy Spirit didn't fall and the world didn't instantaneously come to faith? What happened? It slowly progressed through steps and stages across the world. Why would we think it's different with our own saving? It happens in steps and in stages. And so what I wanna look at this morning, if you're taking notes and you need a title, I wanna look at how we grow. How exactly does this turning happen, this growth happen? Because Jesus says in the word, in John, we read it this morning, he has appointed you to grow and to bear fruit. That's what he wants for your life. He wants you to, to grow and bear fruit. That's his will for your life. Some of you came in here this morning. I wonder what God's will for my life is. I can tell you right now. God's will for your life is that you would grow and bear fruit. But how do we do that? It's one thing to kind of say, okay, I understand intellectually that, but how does that happen? The first thing I want to do before we even get into the steps is this, because some of you, I really felt this as I was praying. Some of you have struggled so long in that turning. You're, you're so disjointed. The picture I literally saw was, did anybody else, a child of the 80s in here, and remember G.I. Joe, the little G.I. Joe toy? Did anybody else figure out like me that you could like totally turn their bodies around, mismatch in which way? That's the picture, honestly, as I was praying for the church uh, this week, that's the picture I saw, that, that you're all out of joint because some parts of your life have turned to Jesus and others aren't, and you're experiencing this pain and this frustration and this anguish and this difficulty, and you even struggle to believe that you've genuinely been converted. And so here's what I want you to hear. If you hear nothing else this morning, I want you to hear right now. Are you ready? Just because it has not happened by today does not mean it will not happen someday. Just because it has not happened by today does not mean it will not happen someday. See, we can get locked in where we are right now, and it's, it's, I love you, it's a sign of immaturity to just look at where you are right now and just think that's how it's gonna be forever. Christians are really, really, really bad slash good at this. Seeing how our life is now and just assuming bad, good, or indifferent, it's always gonna be that way. Listen to me, if you came in here and you are having the worst possible season of your life, I have good news for you. It's not gonna stay that way forever. This isn't where your story ends, amen? If you came in here and you are in the greatest, most amazing, profoundly blessed season of your life, I have good news for you. It's not always gonna be that way. You're not stuck there. You get to go back through difficult times where you'll be able to grow again. It's my word of the Lord for you this morning. We are a prophetic church. Um, it's through stages. 
grows in us just like it grows in the world. Amen? So these, these things need to be removed. And, and Paul here, actually, I was, I was really profoundly grabbed by this as I, as I started to look at, at this text a little bit more deeply. And hopefully, as you study this out this week, you'll either prove me right or wrong. I throw that challenge out to you. Um, but I, I think Paul actually gives us growth steps here. I think he shows us in this text how it happens. And, and, and I don't have this as one of the steps. I need you to understand that the, the, the path that, that all of this growth happens on, he says it several times throughout here. He says it's the word, the truth, the gospel, the grace of God in truth. That's the path we're walking on. I said last week, and I'll say it again, it's that the way you get rid of the idols in your life, the, the false hope in your life, the, the, the disappointing beliefs in your life is not by just adding Jesus to it. That doesn't work. It never has. You, the, 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 the reality is Jesus has to, to, to come in and displace all of those things. And a, a picture of Jesus or a statue of Jesus or an idea of Jesus or, or even, even right doctrine about Jesus isn't going to do that. Only through a personal encounter and, and coming to Jesus yourself is that going to happen. And again, it happens in stages. So, so how does this word, this truth, this gospel, this grace of God work in our life? Well, I think what it, it, we need to understand first is this is talking about a message. Can we agree on that? The word, the truth, the gospel, the grace of our Lord in the truth is all talking about a, a, a understanding and an impartation, something that is taught and something that is caught that, that transforms who we are. So as we go through this, he, he lays out the stages that this happens. He says first, he said, you heard about it beforehand. Now this confused me, if I'm going to be totally honest. I didn't quite understand it, and it was one of the times uh, that I needed to dive into to the Greek to really understand it. What this really means is not that you really heard beforehand. What it really means is that you heard about it. You heard about it. We, we saw this in, in the, the Gospels. As you read through the Gospels, towns get excited about Jesus coming before he ever shows up. Well, here's the deal. There was no TBN. Thank you, Jesus. There was, there was, no, there was no podcasts. There was no YouTube. Nobody was Instagramming Jesus healing people. No, it was, it was, it was just the, the awareness of the possibility of something happening with this guy, Jesus. The way I like to think about it is, uh, how many of you guys like to go to the movies? Anybody like to go to the movies? I love going to the movies. Um, by the way, all of October, Tuesdays, AMC, $5 movies. So women, if your husbands don't take you out on a date this month, smack him. Um, it's five bucks. Come on, guys. It's easy. Um, so, so anyways, it, it's, uh, what, what, one of the things I love about going to the movie theaters is previews. Anybody else like the previews? I, I went to the movie theater one time with a guy who was like, well, the movie starts at, you know, 9.10, but we don't need to get there until like 9.20 because there's going to be a bunch of previews beforehand. And I pulled out my phone and I deleted his contact and I walked away. <laughs> no, it, I love the previews. One man against the world with nothing but his dog will take on all the Transformers. It's, and you, here's what I love about people watching previews. People watch previews and go, man, that's going to be a good movie. How do you know? Have you seen the Transformers movies? It, it's they're horrible. Um, wow, wrong crowd to say that. If you're like, don't talk about my Transformers movie. 
We watch previews and we get excited. Can I tell you the same thing can happen when the gospel begins to permeate a city and the news and the awareness of what God's doing begins to spread. Come on, it happened in your life. It can happen in this church. It'll happen in your sphere and it can eventually take over a city and, and, and begin to be something that you've heard before. I've, I've heard about this thing. I've heard about this gospel thing and, it, and it's, a, it's an atmosphere thing. Can I use that word without freaking anybody out? It's an atmosphere thing where all of a sudden something shifts. I think about it like this. I, I spent my summers on a farm, and, and there are seasons when you sow seed, and there are seasons where you reap seeds. And it all has to do with the atmosphere. So what Paul's saying is that the first step in growth is this, this reality that something possible is out there. You watch the preview. You see lives beginning to be transformed around you. you. You hear about a man who was lame and then Jesus taught him how to dress. No, taught, healed his legs and made him walk. It was different, kind of lame. Um, and you begin to see the, the, the working of God and you're not really clear on what's going on. And I need to be really super clear on this because I think this is one of the places we have a disconnect. People will step into a room and experience the atmosphere and think, I'm saved. A goosebump stood up on the back of my neck and I cried and it was great. But the problem is nothing has been displaced. You, you had a good experience and I'm not knocking it. It's a needed step. Are you hearing me? It's a needed step to encounter the atmosphere of gospel transformation. He said, you've heard before. Next he says, it's come to you. Or he even uses another phrase. He says, it's among you. The idea here is, is you've stepped into the environment and now you hear the proclamation. Now, whether that's in a service like this or it's just you sitting at, at your work with somebody or over coffee or they're over at your house for dinner or, or if you were crazy like I was when I first came to faith, you just go downtown and start preaching to people. Um, but, but what happens is, is the idea here is, is in one sense, if we use the old analogy, you, you actually watch the movie. You find out that Transformers is not a good movie. Let's be super clear on this. It's not. You can have your wrong opinion. That's why we're in America. But it's not a good movie. And, and so we, we, we watch the whole movie. The idea in the Greek here, again, is, is like a backpack being put on somebody. So instead of it just being this thing that's out there, all of a sudden the gospel comes to me. I hear it for me. I don't hear about what God's done in somebody else's life. I hear about what God has done for me and wants to do in my life. So he says, it, it's, you've heard about it before, and then it, it comes to you. It comes upon you. It comes into you. It's, it's, it's you that it's speaking to. Are you hearing me? So, so here before is about just sort of hearing generally when it comes to you, specifically, it's okay, this is, this is about me. This isn't just about other people. This is, this is about me. But then the next stage is the one we, we honestly spend the most time is hear and understand. The idea here in these two words is, is to, to hear or to have heard is, is literally just the, the, the ability to hear. You have ears and they work. And next, it, it talks about understanding. And I want to be really clear. Uh, there, is cert, there are <laughs> certain things that you need to understand in order to come to faith. There's not a lot, and I believe anyone can understand them. But you need to understand that God is the, 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 the righteous ruler and creator of all things. 
If that piece is missing, things are gonna be off. You need to understand that he created all things richly and, and, and wonderfully for our enjoyment and for his glory. You need to understand that we have all fallen and, and are broken, that we've all sinned and fallen short of, of God's glory. I don't know about you, but when I look at my life and I look at how I lived and I look at even how I live now, I think I'm gonna have a problem with God, this good, righteous, perfect God that I believe in if I just walk into him looking like I do now. I don't know how you are, but I know that's where I live. I, I'm in trouble if I'm ever gonna meet this God. So you need to understand that we're all sinners, but you also need to understand, come on somebody, that Jesus has paid the totality of your debt. There's no more debt to be paid for you. He's borne it all. He has secured for you a place in his family and that through repenting, through turning away from the, the things that we trust in and, and turning to him, we can experience, come on, the, a new birth and entering into his family. You've gotta understand these things and there's a process in that. But can I, can I be honest? Can we, can, we, can we drill this down a little bit more where most of us probably live? The same thing happens as we're walking through displacing the, the false beliefs, the, the, the wrong hope, the, the letdowns in our life. We have, to, we have to experience sort of an idea that there's something better in Jesus. We have to, we have, to, we have, to have it come to us and, and be taught it, and then we have to hear it and begin to understand it. That's where the battle in belief takes place, where new, true, I love the fact that he uses it several times in this passage, it's the true word. What he's trying to say is there's other messages out there, and I know this is not politically correct, and I know this might offend some people, but they're not bad, they're just wrong. They're not true. They're false. I know we're supposed to live in a day where we say everything is true, but to say everything is true is to simply say that some things aren't, because if everything's true, well, some things say other things aren't true, so how are they true? You know what I'm saying? I'm confused. Is anybody else confused? He says this is the truth, and we have to allow these things to displace what it is that, that has crowded into our heart and has brought disappointment. And we, we live in this, in this, this season of, of battling through the understanding because we hear it. He says it's not just that you've heard it, but you've understood it. I think what he's saying is, is you hear it. So I tell you right now, I'm gonna tell you right now that, that, that God's integrity in your sexuality is better than whatever porn you can find on the internet. It's better. But some of the men, and even ladies in this room are kind of going like, I, I hear you, but I don't know that I really understand that. I don't know if I really believe that. I don't know that in the moment I'm gonna to turn to Jesus instead of that. Do you understand that that's how you know whether you've really come to understand that? Is in that moment you go, I I'm not saying that there's not some amount of pleasure in this. I'm saying that there's better pleasure in him. So you hear it and then it's the process of coming to understand or own it. And then finally he says, you, you eventually hit the point where you've learned it. It's, it's yours. I would call this the owning stage. You own it. It's your truth. You don't need me to tell you it. You already know it. It's yours. And this is the stage where you are then able to actually share it with others. It's not just something you've heard about, it's something that you've learned. And this is the process by which we grow. There's an, there's a, there's an atmosphere, there's a, there's a hope, there's, a, there's this, this idea of something possible. It then comes to us and we, 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 have, we have it given to us. And then as we hear it and we've heard it, we begin to learn it and understand, or we begin to understand it. Until we reach the point where, no, 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 it's mine now. It's, it's within me. It's, it's become a part of the fabric of who I am. It's why we continually, constantly, every week, 
go back to this. Jesus is greater than everything. Somebody yelled at me last week because I said Jesus is better. And they said, if you're in a series called Greater Than, you're not marketing very well. So um, my name is Mark. I suck at marketing. Um, Jesus is greater than everything. They were right, by the way. It is better to use greater than. Um, Jesus is greater than everything. And you're gonna keep having us tell you that, come on, in song, in scripture, in speech, as we gather together in in community groups, this is why it's so important to to, to not just do this here on Sunday. Because let's be real, Sundays is just sort of uh, just a general throw out, but when we get involved in genuine community with other believers, we begin to learn and understand and grow more fully. So I've already taken all my time, but I don't care. Because how do we get unstuck? Am I the only one who's like, yeah, amen, that's great. Sort of hasn't happened to me in a while. <laughs> if, you're, if your journey of faith was like mine and many others that I've talked to, you, you, you had a moment of, of what we would call conversion where you repented, you believed the gospel. And for many of us, there was explosive growth at the beginning. I mean, I remember uh, working a job when I first came to faith and having to run into the bathroom and lock myself in and just cry because I just could not believe God was so good to me. And I began to weep before him. And I was, I was passionate about uh, not only sharing what God was doing in my life, but, but engaging in what God was doing in my life. I mean, things were, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't, I've shared this before. I, I was addicted to, to, to heroin the night I came to faith, and, and, and the next day it was gone. I, I was addicted to substances and, and alcohol, and things, things were gone instantly, powerfully, supernaturally. Things, things began to fall off. But there were other things, come on somebody, that didn't seem to fall off and other struggles that I had, and things that, that were hard, and, and there, was, there was sort of this, this trajectory of explosive growth, and then it sort of plateaued. Am I speaking to anybody's experience here? And this is why, what I'm about to share with you, this is why some people, among us even here right now, have walked with the Lord for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and others have walked with the Lord for two, three, four, five years, and these four, five-year-olds are more mature in the faith than some 30, 40, 50 year old people that have walked with the Lord. Because it's not about how much time has gone by. It's about how much of these steps have you actually engaged in. How active are you in the grace of God in your life? Let's be clear, it's God's grace in your life. Are you hearing me? But Paul says that I, I am who I am by the grace of God, yet I worked harder than everybody else. So is it Paul's work or is it God's grace? Yes. So, so, so we, we, we experience this, this, this plateau, this, this bump up where all of a sudden now it seems like growth is not happening. And this can sustain for a long time. And I want to give you two ways to, to get unstuck. Does anybody want two ways to get unstuck? One of you does. That's enough for me. So first, I call it stack wood. Stack wood. What, what I mean by that is this. There, there, um, Within the human capacity organically, are you hearing me? We do not have the ability, and this is a bummer, to produce fire, right? Like, unless some of y'all have something I don't have, like, unless we have an X-Men in our midst, like, none of us can just go, like, and make fire. But what we can do is stack wood. And what I'm trying to tell you is this, that, 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 that there are truths, there are realities in our life, and they're like the, they're like the, the logs on a fire. 
They're what's going to sustain some flames and some heat and some energy being displaced. And in the moments where you feel stuck, what I'm calling you to do is just keep stacking wood. Because there will come a day, listen to me, there will come a day, just like in the Old Testament, where fire will fall, where the Spirit of God will ignite those truths, and they won't just be blocks of wood anymore that you can stack up. They will be ignited into a flame that can cause heat and energy and life to come into your body. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. And, 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 and what we mistake sometimes is, is, is we stack a log, and then we stack another one, and nothing happens, and we just go, well, I guess this is just, this is just where I live now. And then, here's the problem, the fire falls, and it burns for a few minutes, and then it goes out. And we go, see, I just, I can't, I can't do it. Where the reason, I believe, why there's, one of the reasons why there's that prolonged time where nothing seems to be happening is God's calling you to be faithful. So what you gotta understand is, is we celebrate the suddenlies in the Bible, Right? We're like, all of a sudden something happened. We, we even talk about it. I haven't heard somebody talk about it at this conference. Like, dude, I'm just waiting for God to do that thing like he did in the upper room where just suddenly the spirit of God falls on the church. And I said, well, are you aware that they kind of had a pretty long and from what I can tell, pretty boring prayer meeting for like a long time before the fire fell? Seriously, you know how I know it's boring? They had a board meeting in the time. They're like, hey, we, we lost a dude. Let's like draw lots and figure out who will replace him. That's the lamest prayer meeting of all time. But what happened? They were faithful. They kept doing what God had called them to just keep stacking wood so that when the fire falls, there's some substance to your life, come on somebody, that can actually sustain the flame. And the last, and it's absolutely not the least, it's the number one, this is the number one reason that I see people plateau and stop growing. They don't serve others. I, don't, I believe with all of my heart that God has built this into our spiritual growth. You can grow, I'm talking rocket ship to the moon, fast growth, but there will come a day where you will hit a ceiling if you refuse to serve others. I'll be totally straight with you. About 16 years now of pastoring, I have never once heard from a person who is giving their life to a local church you know, I think I'm gonna leave here because I'm just not being fed. I don't hear anybody who's pouring out their lives for other people complain about preachers not feeding them. Most of the statements, and I've heard them even in this church and other churches I've served at, I've heard them literally in every, our pastor in Montana traveled the world preaching and teaching and people left because they weren't getting fed. I've never heard somebody who serves others complain about not being fed. I've never heard people who serve others complain about, well, I'm just, not, I'm just not growing in my faith here. Start serving other people. Start laying your life down for others. Start being generous with your time, talent, treasure, and testimony. Lay it down and watch the growth that will happen in your life. Very practically, this is how it started for me. Start teaching other people the Bible. You'll be shocked how quickly you start learning the Bible because the first time you show up to Starbucks to meet with four other dudes in the church and you said you were gonna study through Titus and you didn't study Jack, you're gonna look like a and you're gonna definitely next week start studying. It doesn't take much. Just be like a chapter ahead. Be a few verses ahead of them. And you'll seem like a genius and they'll ask about the next chapter. You're like, well, we'll get there, we'll get there. Slow down, it'll be fine. Really, in the back of your head, you're like, I have no clue what the next chapter says. 
There's a ceiling on your life. Keep being faithful, but start serving others. If you're stuck, if you're stagnant in your growth, serve. So I already do that. I know this is going to sound really selfish from me. Serve more. Give more. Be more generous. Be, be more giving of who you are to others. And watch growth begin to happen. I think serving, and I'll, and I'll end with this. I think serving um, is like the pot that we plant things in. Your willingness to serve. You ever, anybody ever done a pot garden? Not like the newly legal pot garden. I'm talking about like where you, you live in an apartment or a small house or a rental, so you, you plant all your stuff in pots. Have you noticed that if you put a plant in a tiny little pot, it only grows a tiny little bit? But then when it outgrows that pot, you move it to bigger. Remember, right? But this, Doug, the master gardener's in the front row, and I'm trying to use an analogy about gardening. This isn't going to go well for me. Um, if you move it to a bigger pot, it grows more. I think the pot that you plant yourself in is your willingness and your heart to serve others. To teach this stuff, to walk the path with others. To get on the gospel. Let's remember, it's not about what we can do, it's about what he's done. Growth isn't about what we can do, it's about what he's done.